0: So Ethan, what'd you think about Sandman?
1: One two five nine. I've servant, leader, director, reverend, deacon, elder. What the hell? Sandman. It was okay. The oh, the Sandman. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> yeah. It was fine.
0: Have you read the comics?
1: No. Beth has read the comics, so Beth does knew she a lot have there, them? I think she does somewhere at least digital versions. Um, and then there's the they did the um, audio play.
0: Oh, I never listened to the audio yeah. play. Beth
1: has listened definitely listened to the audio play. The comic books are like DC comics, right? And so there are things from according to Beth, there are things about the edit, the Netflix adaptation that they switched around so that they don't directly connect to the DC comics
0: to that world okay yeah
1: cuz they don't have you know the, the rights. rights to do that if this was a, like an HBO show that'd be very different cuz they have all the DC stuff
0: yeah so then why didn't the, i guess just because HBO isn't buying diverse stuff anymore, but it centers on a white presenting deity, you know, <laughs>
1: like you'd, think, they you'd think
0: HBO would be down. Yeah. Interesting. I, so I've always wanted to read the comics, but they've always been too expensive. Like mm-hmm. I've always wanted the nice hardcover collections because I hear they're gorgeous, but yeah, no, I, so I had never read the comics either. And I knew, I knew from, I knew some of the lore around it just from, like, being on the internet. But I didn't really know what to expect walking in. Hmm. Um, I thought it was... I think it's interesting that we start off with an evil British magician who imprisons someone. Like, that was okay. Sure. It's it's a little slow. There's not a lot going on. But then from there, I, I, one of the things you said is that there's a lot of interesting characters and none of them are the Sandman. I think Morpheus is probably more interesting on the page than he can ever be on the screen yeah like, it's a lot of moping you can't make moping interesting
1: it's a lot of moping he's very emo when we were in high school every superhero day at high school nick mcmichael friend of the pod friend of the pod would dress up as emo lad <laughs> um and and would be emo that day and he'd have a shirt and you know you know, have hair over his eyes and mm-hmm. eyeliner. He'd be emo lad, and unfortunately, that's just
0: what? that's just
1: what Sandman is. Like, like you're oh, he's emo lad. Oh no, like, like it's. I uh, I think it's a bold choice for them to blow their wad on the most interesting storyline in the first three episodes, mm-hmm. and then have nothing interesting to do at all for the rest okay. of the show. For all 11 episodes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it's, you know, almost... They almost could have done... Instead of doing, like, the big arc, which I'm sure is what comes next, like, in the comic books, instead of doing this big arc of, like, getting Corinthian back and getting these other dreams back, having it be, like, one-offs. Like, give me one episode where I'm focusing on Rose Walker and Mm. Morpheus is just kind of in the background making things happen. I mean, I think... Morpheus in Sandman is a lot like the cathedral in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. Like, there, it's a character. Everything's happening around and in it, and this is the universe you're in. But the interesting person is Quasimodo, not the cathedral. And I think that's that's what Sandman is, is Morpheus should not be your interesting person, because he just can't be.
1: Yeah, he's not interesting enough. Yeah. Right.
0: But, like, the episode with Death, like... I had a fun day with death. I that, think that was exciting.
1: That was a good episode. That's that's what makes the show kind of frustrating to me. So like I I could get behind that first arc, right? Like mm-hmm. Sandman's captured by the evil dude, he's imprisoned for two hundred years and he escapes and is now looking for his his stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Like that That's a like hero's journey. That first arc is fine. Is Sandman super interesting? No, but it but it's an interesting enough story and it looks good enough and the the characters that he is pursuing mm-hmm. are interesting enough, right? Like yeah. Sandman, you know, can kind of take on that. Like, are we really rooting for Sandman? Yeah, no, but but like it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like the big story about the dream vortex,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not interesting at all. Like yeah. like most and I think the reason why it's not interesting is for reasons I can't fully understand, the the Dream Vortex actress is is that was it Rose? Is that her name or is am I thinking of something totally different? The
0: character's name is Rose. Right, right. right. Rose Walker.
1: Rose Walker. That's who I thought that was. But like Rose Walker, the actress, not that great. Like huh. like not in my opinion. Like like the character or rather, whatever direction she was given for the character. That's what I was gonna say. I think doesn't Everything is sort of the way the dream people talk about how dangerous the vortex is, Mm -hmm. is not, doesn't really play out in Rose Walker's character. Like Mm -hmm. Rose Walker is either not totally aware of how dangerous she is, which of course she's not. She's, she herself is of course, you know, very It's a traumatic backstory. It's very bad, but, but she herself isn't necessarily bringing the drama and gravitas that mm. I feel like a better director would have told her to bring. And yeah. so like and and she keeps accidentally showing up in the dream world. And so right. and so the plot happens around Rose rather than
0: mm-hmm. her
1: being what they say the vortex is, which is this
0: Active creator
1: force. and unmaker. Right, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I I honestly think that most of what I, what I bumped on in Sandman is due to direction. I think mm-hmm. that um, I think they have plenty of good actors available, and I don't, I mean, I don't, uh, you know more about acting than I do. Um, I like, I was interested by like the potential of Rose, but yeah, she continues to like insistently be small. She never like fully uses her power, it's always these like little bursts. And if she's supposed to be the thing that destroys everything, then like I need to see her have that capability. I need to see her kind of turn a little bit. Mm-hmm. You don't ever see that destructive thing that's within her control. And, and I think there's a really interesting storyline there with the idea that like she was not meant to be the vortex; she inherited it. Right. There's a lot about intergenerational trauma that you can that you could really play with with that that we just didn't didn't do in the storyline or didn't do well in the storyline because there's too much stuff to do there's i gotta find my brother i gotta do this i have to be here where here here's my friend who's surprised pregnant like uh, yeah yeah there's just too much in that it is both too long and not enough and that's that's the frustrating thing about short order series i would have picked a different arc for the back half of the series Nobody's paying me to do
1: it, but that's what I've done. Yeah, I agree. The, the, there are too many themes in the show Mm. that are, are all half explored. Right. So one of the primary themes seems to be change, right? Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, there's this sense in which Morpheus is unchanging because he's an endless, but we discover that, like, well, that's entirely true. He changes even if he's not aware of it. And and the dreams and nightmares don't want to be in the boxes they're in. They want to evolve and change. Except for the Corinthian, which pisses, which, which doesn't piss me off, it's just... It, it sends a mixed message if, if, right. if the Corinthian doesn't want to change because he's this nightmare and nightmares aren't meant to be loose in the world because of their nature but here they are but the nightmare that, that cuts Rose's brother off from the dreaming mm-hmm. is a nightmare who definitely does not want to be a nightmare
0: right like,
1: like that's kind of weird so where's Corinthian's change like I, whatever uh, that, piss, that, that bothers me um,
0: and if they had really... So, like, they, Sandman has this big speech after he's, like, taken down Corinthian to all of the serial killers at the convention. And it's like, you people embody the nightmare, and so my curse on you is you know what you've done wrong, you little people. Which, you know, fine. Serial killers are fine to beat up on. But um, I think if they had explored that, like, Corinthian doesn't need to change because Corinthian has all that he needs in this world... Like, the, he is able to bend the world around him because humans are corruptible to this, this kind of horrific killing. Like, if we had really sure. made it that, then, like, maybe I would have been fine. Um, and, and then explain what the other nightmare was supposed to be, because I don't understand what's mm. so bad about being trapped in your fantasy when you sleep. Like, I don't, under, I don't understand what the nightmare version of that nightmare-turned-dream was. And so I don't know what she's changing from. I only ever see her as a sympathetic character. And I think, yeah, more with that. Like if we had done a full episode on like Sandman creating the stream and then the stream being out in the world, if we had explored that character, the way we got to see the Corinthian the whole time,
1: then I would have felt different. I think the idea of the dream that cuts her brother, Rose's brother off from the dreaming. I think the idea is that it's supposed to be a recurring nightmare. And okay. so the idea is supposed to be for her, for that, that being as a nightmare, is you're not able to dream something else. Like, like you're, you're uh. trapped in this recurring dream, right? Mm. And, and, and that's why when Sandman's like, we can't find Rose's brother in the dreaming, I bet it's because of this loose nightmare because right. that's that's the that's, only one that traps. That's the okay. only one that can do that, and and so but but the dream that the nightmare does is a good dream, you know, because sure. because the, the nightmare wants to not be a nightmare, right? But it's still within their nature to cut them off from the dreaming and mm-hmm. can only be trapped in this one dream, and so I think that was the idea. But, but remember, what, what frustrates me about this theme of change, it's not the theme, it's just that it's not, it's once again not explored enough. Like right. Because it's been paired with eight other themes mm-hmm. that we're told we need to care about. The weirdest episode in the whole show was the episode when Remus Lupin traps in the, the, diner. the people in the diner.
0: Yeah.
1: A, it's... If it was if it wasn't supposed to be as annoying and uncomfortable as it was, then it I guess,
0: the goal. <laughs> I guess
1: good job. But like, holy shit, are we gonna really explore humans deep down want bad things? Like, is that going yeah. to be what because it, it it was over and done in that episode right. and was not adequately explored. Like, okay, we get it deep down we all want to kill or screw like, like, like I understand like I I guess but but like the, huh what I, I there was too much going around and then this episode just appears in the show and I don't I didn't like it
0: yeah yeah and I yeah and the other thing is that you have Remus Lupin Remus Lupin? yeah is that who it was? Mm-hmm. I could have sworn okay I believe you um, but yeah, you have him who is kind of a, so, is a sympathetic character and like most people who watch this minds because they know him from Mary Potter. And then now he's a villain, which like, fine, fun for him, enjoy. But he's not completely convincing as a villain because of that. And then, and then yeah, he's all about truth and, and what do you really want to do? And it's that like, he only ever pulled back the first layer of truth, which is like, there's a lot of anger and discontent under the surface that gets papered over all the time because that's how society functions. But once you get past that layer, it's really not that everybody wants to kill or screw all of the time. It's that people want a resolution. And if you give them the ability to have the quickest possible resolution, of course you're going to destroy everything. But if you make them pause and think for a little bit, maybe they'll come up with another resolution that's not. I need to kill the person who's sleeping with my life. Maybe we take a beat and we say, "Hey, I didn't ever want to be in this relationship anyway." Like, right? Yeah.
1: Right. It, it just seems like a, such a jarring episode when you compare it to some of the highfalutin things that Dream says about people.
0: Right. Yeah. Right?
1: Like, like, why is dreaming important? Well, what was he said? Oh, you know it and uh <laughs> things. Human futures may or may possible in dreams. We we teach them to dream about. Oh, Pat Oswald, what was I saying? <laughs> like, like, whatever the fuck he says, you know, like, like it just doesn't go with it, right? Like right. he's using dreams' power mm-hmm. to to show the people in the diner that what they really want is is to screw and to kill. But, like, that's not the purpose of the power. Mm -hmm. The purpose is, is, I guess, to reveal desires and and stuff like that. But, like, Dream is all about how it's important. His role is important so that human society can be better. Right. So I don't... I didn't like that. I, I just think it's too... There's... That episode in particular is trying to tell us... It's trying to explore a theme that is... They didn't have time to explore, and and also uh, contradicts other themes. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and in another quibble about this episode, and listeners who don't want to talk about suicide, skip ahead, I don't know, Mm. a couple minutes. But, like, you have a character, a complete suicide on screen. And it is incredibly jarring, even though, like, they have that content warning at the beginning of it. That really doesn't matter, because... Like, we didn't really explore this character and why she feels the way she feels. We also don't explore that it's a distorted pattern of thinking, right? Right. Like, that's not her actual desire. Her actual desire is not to die. That's just when she takes away the things that are stopping her from this, she's going to go do it. Which is, of course, what happens with suicidal ideation. Of course. The reason that any of us stay alive and survive suicidal ideation is because we have things that are supporting us. And even if they're as simple as my cat needs me, they're still there supporting you. And if you take that away and say, no, your cat is actually going to survive, and also if you die, it would eat your eyeballs and survive for longer. Like, that's true. That is a truth. But that's not what anybody needs to hear. And it's also like... The most shallow version. I think that's if we had explored more with Remus Lupus's, Lupus's character, that like he still has a very childlike understanding. His childlike understanding is that people lie and they don't tell you the truth, and that's bad. Right. And that's just not true. People lie for important reasons. Exactly. And exactly. like, if we lie to ourselves enough, if we dream enough, then we can change that reality. And that's, nowhere is that more true than when we are dealing with suicidal ideation. If we lie to ourselves enough that like, tomorrow could be different, <laughs> eventually we arrive in a different tomorrow and things get better. Right. And... And we didn't do that. We just didn't do that. And there's no... The bow that, like, Morpheus puts on it at the at the end of it is that, like, this is all just stuff that was repressed but, like, we'll all recover from this now that we have good dreams. That's not... That's not enough, right? Yeah. And we don't really see the destruction except in this diner and on the television, which is played kind of for comedy. But it's not... The show is not dark enough for that to work. That's yeah. the other thing, is it's not... It vacillates between here are terrible, horrible, traumatic things. And then here's the dreaming, which is beautiful. And and I need it to pick a tone. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah. The, that's the big thing. Well, and the yeah. funny thing, you're right. 100% agree. The funny thing is, is when the show decides to be whimsical, it's a way better show. Yeah. You know? So like, this is, this is what, what makes me kind of laugh about the show what the show ends up telling is way less interesting than the, the random moments during the show that are when it's at its most interesting. For example, I would happily watch a show that's Sandman in the background with anglican priest lady and joanna constantine yes. running around having adventures yes. by the way the reason why it has to be joanna constantine is because it's john constantine in the oh. in the comic books and they don't know the rights of john constantine
0: gotcha but either
1: way very great what a great what a great yeah. bend you know and, and and it was charming and wonderful and joanna constantine's cool and the anglican priest lady's cool and it's mm-hmm. all fun like what a great what a great little thing there. Way more interesting than mm-hmm. Rose Walker and, and all of that. Or um, the other thing, well, the episode with Death is really good, but the episode right after that, uh, where we meet Hob, the one who is immortal, because Death oh, takes yeah. takes away you that know That was death. a fun one. What yeah. a great episode. What yeah. a it, and it's the genuinely a great episode for Sandman, because it's mm-hmm. Sandman being a you know changing and evolving and. Realizing, no, oh, I do have a friend. You know, and yeah. I do like to see him. Oh, that's very and, cute. And and he's a lovely character. Like mm-hmm. Hobbs a great character who who has you know who, who over each year evolves and changes. Yeah. And and, and but still loves life and love like mm-hmm. doesn't want to die because he's afraid. Right. You know, he, he doesn't want to die because he loves being alive, you know. There's like, like
0: more things happening, yeah. I have never identified with a character less in my life. <laughs> I know exactly what
1: you mean. I didn't really identify with him either, but but his exoticness made him fun. I mean, yeah. You know, like, like yeah. He's a character that even if I don't identify with him, I get it. I go, Yeah, yeah. sure. Like I get the perspective and and it and it routinely surprises. It's it's, he's a good character because he surprises Morpheus. Mm-hmm. He he does the opposite of what Morpheus thinks he's going to do every time, mm-hmm. and it makes Morpheus want to stick around. It makes him go, Oh yeah, okay, I'll see you next time. You know? Right,
0: right. Let me check in. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I would happily watch a show that was Hob, Morpheus, and Joanna Constantine.
0: Yeah, you know that's
1: a good show. That's a fun show. Yeah. But it but unfortunately, the Corinthian doesn't fit in that show. Right. And we want to do that. Rose Walker doesn't really fit in that show so we want to do that and, and that's really what I mean when I say this show tries to do too many themes and mm-hmm. it's all half-baked mm-hmm. um, you're, I can't remember the actor's name you brought him up but the, the gentleman who does drag and who, who, who owns oh, the my goodness. bed and um, breakfast
0: mm, I will remember it in a minute because uh, I love him to death he's the original Hedwig uh, yeah original yeah Hedwig.
1: original Hedwig and the angry Age.
0: John Cameron Mitchell that's right mhm
1: When by the time Rose Walker arrives there, we're essentially looking at two totally different shows. Right. You know, like one is this ensemble piece with the weirdos at the Airbnb, at the at the bed and breakfast, and Rose Walker, who keeps walking through people's dreams. Yeah. Is is with these weirdos. That's one show, and then the other show is about Sandman and Hub and Death and. Right. Joanna Constantine a little bit and The Other Endless. It's two totally different shows. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's happening with Rose Walker has even a little bit to do with what's happening with The Other Endless until they shoehorn Desire in for no reason.
0: Yeah, which I'm sure in the book, in the comic books makes more sense, but it did not translate to the television. Yeah, I feel that. I um, would watch John Cameron Mitchell do drag in Florida. I think that he is still a stellar actor like Mm -hmm. every every second he's on screen i'm like oh hello and also he knows exactly who he needs to be i mean i think that's who he is all the time but he knows exactly who he needs to be he plays the horror that he is given so well like when he peels his face off that's just like oh oh we went here and that's actually one of the like scarier and more real moments in Sandman. Sure. And I would take yeah, I would take anything, any scene that he's in, I would watch it all day over over most of the things in the show. But yeah, we they don't they don't switch between all the different plot lines well. And they because because Rose is this vortex and so she's gonna drag in these other dreams that are around her and that's how we're getting all of our dreams back. And like I understand that function, but that function then means that like we're cheating all of the other stories. So yeah, give me a whole separate season with like the Rose thing happening mm-hmm. uh, and do that whole arc and do it justice rather than doing this. Because I want to meet all these characters in the in the b yeah. I want to explore them more than like these minutes in their dreams. I want to see Rose have character growth over the course of this. Like let's do let's do that separately let's save all that for another season and in this first season like give me more endless give me more give me more sandman like re-understanding himself because i think a theme that's in it is that sandman has like a dark side because there's dreams and nightmares and we see these like glimpses of the dark side and i think that's supposed to be interesting and it's not it's not done well enough to be interesting. Yeah. And so give me more of that then. Make it interesting. Let's watch Gwendolyn Christie be Lucifer for a little while longer. Like I thought that was fun.
1: That was good. That was good. I uh, you know what really made me laugh? Uh-huh. I so it's about the endless. So all the endless, at least the ones we've seen, are only sort of tangentially related to their function, right? right. So like so, like, there's no reason why Morpheus has to be emo lad. Right. He's just dream. Dreams aren't necessarily emo. Yeah, know?
0: and he can appear in any form. Why do we keep him in the emo form? Like, pull a doctor and have him be different actors each episode.
1: That'd be fun. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. And, and like, this is a side thing to what I was going to say, but, like, that way, Dark Side Sandman can, you can play with that. Like, Dark right. Side Sandman can actually be scary rather than, I mean, he's just this little twink, right? Can't right. You just, can't he's I so just,
0: skinny. We've already seen him naked. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, just, if I kick him in the face, he'd probably go down pretty quick. Like, like, is he that scary? Ooh, endless. You know. But but like, my point is, is that all the endless that we see are are sort of tangentially related to their function. Like, even desire. Like desire. Desire is just androgynous. But 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 that doesn't mean desire. You know what I mean? Right, my, my, point right. is, my point is, my point is that the endless we see. You know, look different and don't. They're not. They're not like a laying it on thick metaphor for what they represent, right? Like right. Death looks. You know how death looks. Morpheus, Sandman looks like hell, Sandman looks. Desire looks like desire, except for despair, who shows <gasps> oh, up. And no. looks like, <laughs> <laughs> who, who looks like she's an Inside Out character? You know, who's 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 a what, what sadness <laughs> from Inside Out. Oh, my sister despair. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, why did we make despair? Oh, you can tell know. she's despair because she's got a cardigan on. She's sad.
0: <laughs> it's, I, despair was on the screen, and I was like, oh, I know exactly who that is, and I've never identified with the character before. And like,
1: that's fine. Like, 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 yes, I get it, but like, it's, it's so strange. It's so yeah. jarring. Like, like it's yeah. such a weird moment where, mm-hmm. like, you know, every. It's not like Morpheus is dreamy and dreamlike, and that's why he's dreamy. Right. It's not like, it's not like death is so fascinated with death and that's why she's dead. desire. It doesn't sit around and go, Hmm, I just, I don't know. I, like it's, but, but here's despair. And she Ooh, is who yeah. is definitely sad. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like it's just very weird. It's this uh-huh. weird moment that makes me laugh every mm-hmm. time I see it. She's she's just dressed like a sad person, Right. and I go, but why? Like like you, you just have to. Nobody right. else does that, you know. Like like despair or uh, desire isn't dressed like a horny person. Yeah, it's just they're just just got lipstick on. Just yeah. got lipstick on, you know. Very, it made me laugh when I saw it. I was like, I don't okay. And then and then like we have to play every time we go to to desires. Place like there's that scene where Sandman realizes at the end where desire, desire impregnates, uh, makes the dream vortex essentially yeah. like impregnates uh, uh, unity and and then right. yada yada yada, and and I guess I guess Morpheus was supposed to be intimidating.
0: <laughs> but he's not really. There's that moment where he like pulls Desire's head back. Which again, there's, there's, it's surprise violence everywhere in Sandman. Right. Like you want, it's it's whimsical, it's fun, we're having a good time. Oh, wait, are, are you gonna cut somebody's throat right now on screen? Did I walk into Game Whoa, programs? you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that transition is never handled well. But yeah, no, Morpheus isn't intimidating. And he's like, do you think you could stand up against my power? And it's like, yeah. Do you
1: think, what, do you, what power are you talking about, friend? Yeah. It's like when Lucifer's like, should the gates of hell prevail against the dreaming? Probably. It yeah. seems like it would work.
0: Oh my, that was the most... Uh, so I love that episode. But the end of it, Morpheus is like, well, do you think people would stay in hell if they didn't have dreams of heaven? And I was like, we know what it's like to take hope away from people. It happens every day in offices. Like, what? Like, I don't and even it, know.
1: I've totally forgotten about <sighs> Lucifer and Dream's fight until yeah. you brought <laughs> it funniest crap... I could have easily won that fight. Right. Are you kidding? Why was there even a problem? Like, 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 I am a tiger. I pounce and fight. Yeah? Well, I am Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 what are we doing? Oh like, I am a snake and I make venom go into you. Bullshit! Come on, dream. Come the on, one, with something.
0: There was one that was like, "Oh, I am a disease and I rack you." It's like, okay, cool. What if we invented, I don't know, antibiotics? Yeah. Now we're done. <laughs> I am a vaccine. That would be two on the nose. <laughs> but
1: Wait, I am COVID nineteen. <laughs> am hope and you can't kill hope well I can yeah
0: actually, everybody but, can you know, all the time it
1: happens I am a hopeless situation
0: <laughs> did we like did we not just watch the episode well I guess it's the episode after that in the diner where like hope is killed but like that's the thing is it's very easy to kill hope that's the thing about hope like I don't anyway. it's,
1: like I get what they were going for and like that's all fine it, it is it's fine like it gets around having to watch a very awkward and dumb like film Fight, right? Right. Which I don't want to watch. I don't think that's fine. Like, like the endless shouldn't be fighting that way anyway. It doesn't make sense. But like, the ending is at least something to be desired, right? Yeah. Like, like we start with animals and then we go to concepts.
0: Right. And and,
1: I, and I'm like, yeah, but like, we didn't have to start with animals. Why did Lucifer start with the tiger or whatever she started with? I am God.
0: <laughs> and what do we do next? What, yeah. What
1: What were you? I'm God. I shall assault you.
0: Yeah.
1: I am. I'm
0: an atheist and I refuse to be assaulted. <laughs> like, yeah. why?
1: And I reject God. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I am faith and I overwhelm you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am religious experience. You aren't doing anything for the next 24 hours. Um, yeah. I I think that, that there's this kind of dual meaning with the hope of like, Morpheus being like, oh, you have to have me so that the prisoners will stay in hell and be tortured. But also, doesn't that make Morpheus complicit in the torture of people in hell? Like, is yeah. he a good guy or is he a bad guy? Or is he ambivalent? And if he's ambivalent, why am I cheering for him? Like that's the that's right. the difficulty with it. Is this is supposed to be his hero arc? And you're like, but you're not good in the way that a cop's not good, I don't know what to do.
1: And, and this is, you know, how do I fix this? Well, one easy way to fix the whole show is just to have two different shows. Yeah. That's one easy way. Because then, then, like, the first part can stand on its own. It's no big deal. We move on. It's interesting in its way. And then we can spend more time with Rose Walker in the second one. And we can come to like these characters in a fuller way. And, and, and Sandman can just be a side character in the background another way i would fix it and this goes beyond like now we have to attack the source material so like this Mm. take this with a grain of salt listeners but like just let sandman be a um a role
0: Ooh, yeah
1: you know have the endless be mantles that people take up right like Mm -hmm. and then and then we can like morpheus even if Sandman is not is neutral, right? Like yeah, yeah. then we can come to like the character of Morpheus in a different way. Pula pull a Santa Claus, Tim Allen Santa Claus.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, yeah.
1: And you know, I actually think that would help. It would it would help with the confusion, right? Like yeah. well is dream, is the role of the Sandman good? Well no, it's neutral, just like all the endless. Like is, yeah. is desire good?
0: Sometimes not. Sometimes, sometimes yes. yes.
1: Sometimes no. Like is death good? Well, it's a little trickier, but, but ultimately the answer is sometimes.
0: Yeah.
1: Sometimes death is peaceful and, mm-hmm. and, and final and good and, and you know, like when monarchs die. <laughs> <laughs> and we all celebrate, sorry. Um, but, but like, but because the, the problem is, is that dreams are neutral. And the role of Morpheus and who Morpheus is has to embody that. And so you're right. Why would we cheer? Like, what? Morpheus constantly has to justify his own existence by those quips, right? Mm -hmm. Well, hope's important, or dreams are are important. They're good. They're an unqualified good. That's why you need me. Yeah, but you're not. It's not an unqualified good. Theoretically, while you were trapped, nobody was dreaming is that the idea
0: that's what that seems to be the idea or they're all trapped in their worst nightmares right. Is what we're I think meant to believe so the 20th century is because that people could not dream good dreams but we went to the goddamn moon somebody dreamed a dream you know right like there's
1: some nice there's some fine stuff in the what are you yeah. telling me that Star Wars is bad <laughs> like, like, like there's plenty of good shit. like I get it but yeah you know, it's just a little weird. Yeah. And, and I lay that you know that's Neil Gaiman, right? Like yeah. Neil, this is one of the reasons why I've not read a ton of Neil Gaiman. Stardust is lovely. I'm glad yeah. that I'm glad that he made Stardust. But like, this is sort of my my problem with like the Neil Gaiman Terry Pratchett Aww. sort of thing. I didn't think i right? were
0: gonna go for Terry Pratchett. Keep going. Like
1: I'm not here to fight them. Like they're yeah. great. Terry Pratchett may rest in peace. Like like they're way more successful than me, and they're they're quite. Good authors. I'm not here to fight them on it. The post-modernity frustrates me. Like Yeah. Like the, yeah. the the we're we're trying to be neutral or or gray for mm-hmm. for you know to explore that. And there's a way you can do that while still being humanly grounded, mm-hmm. without it sort of spiraling into kind of abstract. We're doing it just sort of because, right? Like, right. there's a difference between human beings are morally grey and morally grey is a good thing. Like like right. there's of course human beings are morally gray. Of course we are. We all know that. You know, even Tolkien knew that. Right. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. but why is that good? Like it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean we need to beat ourselves up over it. But right. but there's nothing noble about being morally grey. Like mm-hmm. And that's, once again, fine. That's fine. But, like, you know, we would consider a morally gray character who decides to kill people a murderer.
0: Because they are, in fact, just a murderer. That's what it is.
1: Exactly. And so, for Morpheus to, maybe not like, but, like, not try to be different than Mm -hmm. just being gray... It Be, just becomes really kind of banal. It's just, yeah, right. we get it. Of course we're all morally gray. The drama comes from when we resist that.
0: Yes. That's yes, the drama. Yes. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But, but simply saying we're morally gray isn't that fun. Like, that's always my problem with, life. like, the one Terry Pratchett book I read was Small Gods. Because everybody, everybody in a religion department God. reads yeah. Small Gods. and And I go, yeah, fine, cool.
0: You should read more... That's a
1: better one. Anyway. Oh no, I, I trust you. I believe you. You, you know, I, I believe it's good. Just like I believe Neil Gaiman. It, it, Neil Gaiman is a good author too. But like the postmodern, morally gray, ooh, what's right, what's wrong, you know, that stuff. Other than the fact that I'm a little over it, That's even, the thing. even if I wasn't over it, it's still not a source of drama until characters push against it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not dramatic to reveal that people are morally gray because I think most of us have accepted that. I, it's it's a dramatic learning at one stage in a person's life. Right. Like Small Gods is um, is dramatic at one point in everybody's life. I think unless you've already learned the morally gray lesson, and then you're like, okay, yeah. I think I think that is uh, that also goes to like the casting in Sandman and how. How people of color are handled in Sandman, hmm. because they are accessories <laughs> the whole way through. It is a show about a white man who doesn't have to be white. We chose to keep him as white, and right. I, it's a very—I mean—it's a very British story. It's a very English story, um, and so we're we're kind of trapped in that. But like people are—it's—it's it's complete tokenization, and I you know appreciate the representation, but. Wow but you don't give me a reason why death is black. You know, and there's there's such an important resonance for death to be black, you know, for her to appear as this like joyful dark-skinned black woman. Like I loved it. There's a lot to work with. The show does nothing with it. It's just, oh, she's this. Well, well why? Why did she choose to have this form? Why is this the form that she's taking in this moment right now with these people as she's collecting their souls? And yeah, I again not that they absolutely cast more more actors of color and the actress who who does death is amazing and yeah. we all loved it but i need i need the show to be conscious about the choices that it's making and tell us why rather than just being like oh hey isn't it cool that like this character's black now yeah yeah, yeah. and that's postmodernity again that's mm-hmm. the um the color blindness and yeah. i need you to not be colorblind because that doesn't do anybody any favors we tried that in the '90s, and we've moved past
1: it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And and like and I and like you keep saying, I like death. Like I like how that I like how that character is presented. I like what she was doing. I like the actress. I think the whole thing is really great. But because her race is a it plays nothing into the character, it becomes um, like yeah, it becomes banal as well. Mm-hmm. So like. Did you listen to the Batman Unburied podcast? No. I'd recommend it. It's, it's pretty okay. good. It's, it's well produced. Spotify produced it. It's like a, It plays like a radio show. You know, it, it's fun. Poison Ivy is in it. I'm going to spoilers everybody. Poison Ivy is in it and she's lesbian. Sure. Poison Ivy is often at least bisexual in the comic books. Great. Whatever. And um, one of the things that I thought was really spectacular about Batman and Barry, even though it's this radio show, people's skin color, people, what people look like, don't really matter in a certain way. But like what I find, what I found fantastic about Poison Ivy's character and being a lesbian, and and her presentation, is rather than do it for what I call the Nissan Altima effect, which Mm -hmm. is we need to have diversity in the same way a Nissan Altima car commercial is diverse. Meaning it's unthinking, we're we're just kind of throwing it in there. Lots of people drive cars, of course, of course uh, 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 an Asian uh, wife and a black father and a white child should (laughs) all come together and and, and, and drive drive Nissan Altimas. You know, (laughs) it's it's brandy, it's exactly. (laughs) Whatever, you know, fine, sure. I don't know what's going on, but whatever. Um, uh, The most quintessential 90s film of all time. (laughs) But it's so good. It's such a good movie, you're right. Yeah. Like, in Batman and what they do with Poison Ivy is they allow Poison Ivy's sexual orientation to be the thing that gives her the possibility of redemption.
0: Ooh. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so...
1: Part of the backstory is Poison Ivy begins, you know, when Poison Ivy is introduced in the story, she's evil, she's full-blown evil, she's full-blown Poison Ivy. But there's an episode where you learn about her backstory and you learn how she becomes Poison Ivy. And one of the things is there's that she falls in love with a lady while, who a fellow botanist while they're on assignment. And she, things don't work out with her because of her vengeance. She, she turns to her vengeance and, and, and becomes Poison Ivy and she and her lover disappears. Batman learns this and, and attempts to get Poison Ivy to, to turn away, to give up by appealing to that. Like, like you know, being like, I know about, I forget her, the character's name, I know about Alice. What do you mean you know about Alice? I know about Alice. She's still alive, you know. Like like you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this horrible world-changing thing. You can you can you can spare Alice, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And you can even you can even apologize to Alice. You can do what you need. Alice is still alive. There's still hope. Yeah. And one of the thing and and when I when I listened to it, that's w- what I loved about the way in which you know. The representation that Poison Ivy, you know, is, is, that Poison Ivy is a lesbian is used to further both the story, to flesh out her character. It's not just a, we have to have a lesbian in the show. Right. It, it instead, not only does it make her character more fleshed out, it provides the impetus for her character's hope. Mm. It makes her Poison Ivy as a character is great because she hates being a human. Mm. But it's but it's precisely this that humanizes her.
0: Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm.
1: her her de- and and her decision, spoiler alert, her decision to not turn back to her oh. at the end of this is what makes it so tragic. Because she's decided, no, I hate humanity enough that I don't want, I, I'm even prepared to say no to love, to the mm. thing that I, that I love, right? Hmm. That, that, that kind of diversity, and you couldn't do that. Like, like that's why that story doesn't, you know, that's why it doesn't feel shoehorned. it doesn't feel out of place. It's perfectly natural. Mm-hmm. Because we're telling a care story about human beings. And and that's the difference between a Nissan Ultima commercial that says, all kinds of people like to drive mm-hmm. Nissan Ultimas, let's throw them all in and mm-hmm. and telling a coherent, compelling story that is diverse, right? Yeah. And so death, like you said, death being black, not only being not only being this black woman, but choosing to be a black woman in the 14th century.
0: Yes. Right? Like... like What? Yeah, Yeah. You see
1: what I mean? Like, like that becomes no... It's not daring now. Now it's just shoehorned. Yeah. You know, like, because there's nothing... Not to justify it. I'm not Mm -hmm. asking for... I'm not pulling like a Vikings, right? Where they're like, oh, well, there aren't any black people, so why is everybody pissed that there aren't any black people in Vikings? Fuck you. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is, like you're saying, the end. This endless being cho- chooses to appear in every place.
0: This way. This yeah. way. Why? Tell me why. Yeah. Because yeah. it matters.
1: Because because it because black women are not generally accepted in every place, and so there has to be a reason why
0: yeah i mean and and if you if we were to connect that black women aren't welcome in in every place to death isn't welcome in every place then like oh well here's a great reason for death to be this death chooses always to be somebody who sticks out but also somebody who assumes that they belong there because they do like there's we just now invented something more profound than what we saw on the show yeah i know oh it's so frustrating (laughs) Speaking of natural representation and speaking of Alice's, Alice Isn't Dead, the podcast from The Welcome Night About People, mm-hmm. is again like, the it's Alice is searching for her wife. It could very easily be that Alice is searching for her husband, but that would be a very different show because who Alice is and the skills Alice has and the drive she has and how she interacts with the world around her are built out of herself as a lesbian. And so it is, like, a quintessentially lesbian story, but it's also just a hero story of somebody trying to achieve a goal. And so, yeah, that, again, a radio play that's much more organic than what we saw on the show. Or, but, like, even in um, Haunting of Hill House, Theo Crane is a lesbian, and the lesbianness is not tokenizing. It's actually, like, she's going to have difficulty finding partners, and... um, Finding partners that are going to be sustainable healthy relationships for her because it's hard being queer and like The queerness of her and in her family setting is something that's explored in places like is it the perfect queer representation? No, but in many ways It's thoughtful and natural and a part of who her character is And a part of why she's so standoffish from the world in addition to like whatever mystical thing she has going on And I just think, yeah, there's a lot better ways to have done it. But but I think a lot of the TV adaptations of Neil Gaiman's work ends up being this kind of like tokenized diversity, this like postmodern thing. Right. I, can I tell the one thing that I was devastated by and wish was so different about yes, the Yes we haven't
1: really said what we liked about it slash what we what this yeah. is so go for it so I have,
0: se- I have read all of like maybe four panels of the Sandman comics as they've been like screen capped and I've seen them on the internet and the one that I saw first and most and I think that made me want to read it is it is two panels and the first one is it's Death and Sandman doing this like day with death adventure um, and death picks up the baby and has the baby and says, "That's all you get." I'm sorry. And then the next panel is like, you don't you don't even see the mom. You see like the mom's shoulder and hand holding a bottle, and then the baby in the crib. And I guess I've seen three panels because the next one is like the bottle dropping and hitting the floor, mm-hmm. and it's devastating because it's just done. It's just done so well. It is death comes for everybody and like death is absolutely tragic and death can be as comforting as possible to the people that like death is reaping essentially but that doesn't mean that the devastation doesn't happen and I was like oh they're gonna do it they're gonna do it I'm gonna get to see this like they're gonna like how can you screw this up and they screwed it up <laughs> like sure. death death is still as like genuine and comforting and like lovely but then like the mom is Is played as this kind of like housewife funny mom who's tired and needs a nap and then like she comes back in and she like says the name of the baby and that's all we get and I'm like I why you had one of the most profound things I've ever seen a comic book do and you did this with it Hmm. so that was my that was my gripe is that like sometimes the source material is amazing and we can't go there. We choose to go there in different places. Sure. And that's, um, that's frustrating. But again, we love death. I just wish that the direction was different for that scene.
1: I could have used less dead babies. And so well, I, you I know, fair, to, but, fair. But I, I know what you say and, I, and I'm with you. I, I was very uncomfortable during that scene. But that's yeah. also my own thing, right? Like sure. we're, we're pregnant with another baby. You know, There's, there's a lot to that. Um, if sometimes I you know I think about like now that I'm a dad you know representations of, of that you know like mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't find them profound I just find them to be a joker origin story
0: <laughs> ah, okay, okay. I know? Know
1: yeah, like, yeah. because that's how I would do it like you know I, I I think about I'm sorry for this this is a very much a side thing but like why is it so like one of the things that I'm gonna have my class read uh, closer to the end is Stringfellow's book called The Simplicity of Faith, which is mm. his his last autobiographical book. He wrote three autobiographies and, and the last it's the last one because it's about his partner dying, Anthony mm. Town. Why? Stringfellow is gay, by the way.
0: What? Yes. We we held this information back from me for years.
1: Stringfellow is gay. They what? they probably were not sexually active, but mm. but that's but they but they lived, they were together for like twenty years. Wow. And they lived together and, and, and stuff. But Stringfellow's so Stringfellow's partner Anthony dies suddenly and and he writes, you know, in, in this book, Simplicity of Faith is is about that. It's like 70% it's like part of it is uh, a little bit about Anthony's life and then their life together and then and then his reflections his theological reflections and then like stuff after uh, on, on death and things like that and Death is such an important thing in stringfellow's theology like mm-hmm. death is the last enemy and and that thing that makes us fall in, like the moral power of death causes us to to be corrupted and see even our most moral things are are colored by by the boundary of death and stuff like that. It's profound, there's a lot to it. But one of the things he just says in this book, you know, on Anthony Town is is like, you know, burying Anthony Town has proven to me even more that death is my enemy. Mm-hmm. Because there's he's like because there's nothing there's nothing good. There's just nothing good or profound or great or natural or or something for me to learn. Yeah. You know, from from my 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 partner dying. There there's just nothing. Mm -hmm. All that there is is that now my dog and I are lonely. That's all. Mm -hmm. And and there's you know and I I've learned nothing. And nor should I learn anything. You know, and and so like there's a part of me that I go, yeah, like if if uh, uh, if I walk in it's like the, the, the shooting in Texas, right, you know, and parents, police officers restraining parents from coming right. in to protect their children or having to come in to identify the remains of their children. And the only thing I could think of is, oh, well, that's just the my, the next question I would have is, who do I need to kill? You know, like like, right. okay, like, who do I kill now? Like, there's nothing, there's nothing good. There's nothing to be learned. Mm-hmm. Death comes for us all. And. And the only thing death brings isn't knowledge. It just brings death. You know, whatever knowledge we might gain later isn't because somebody died. You know, it's, right. it's just something that comes here. That's my perspective. And, and I appreciate the way in which the compassion that the character of death has in the same. I think that's great. But like, no matter how, every instance of somebody dying, in that show. You know, with that care, with death, right, mm-hmm. is awful.
0: Should be, should be awful. Yeah.
1: What we don't see is how awful it is. Yeah. And 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 that's why I'm you know, while I like the episode a ton, like that's my my reflection on the episode is the only way you can make death compassionate is if we don't focus on who lives after that. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's just horrible. You know, like it's yeah. not. Like, well, can I, like the, the swimmer. Well, can I say goodbye to my wife? No, you can't, I'm sorry. You're right. already dead. And then we had to, we have to hightail it out of there. Cause otherwise, we can't see. Otherwise we'll just see this woman, oh, like, like tear, rip her garments and openly weep over, you know, curse God, you know, like, like, like over the whole thing, right? You know, we can't see, we can't see the mom. Can't see the mom after a baby dies, because yeah. that's not. There's nothing fun. There's nothing good. There's nothing. Right. There's nothing compassionate about it. Like it's being. We have to anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphize dead people. In right. order to feel the compassion. Right. Mm-hmm, Death mm-hmm. comes for the dying, and and shows compassion for those who are already dead fine lovely sure but like there's nothing there's not a moral to that right because they're dead
0: yeah yeah you know i so so what i found really valuable about the comic book um representation of it is that it's honest about it yeah yeah
1: and that's good
0: yeah it's not it's not a mom walking in and being like having anything less than a devastating reaction to a devastating event. Um, Have you ever listened to Next to Normal? Do you know that musical?
1: Yeah, Beth Beth, uh, directed, uh, stage managed that show.
0: Yeah, I, so that, like, that's, again, like, a very honest representation of what happens when a child dies, like, it, it can wreck you forever. And yeah, I think that's what, that's the difficulty of that episode with death, is that, like, either either show the horror that's there like we can watch John Kramer Mitchell peel his face off why can we not watch the horror of these moments and acknowledge it and like have death be as helpless as we are in those situations like there's nothing to do here there's nothing to stop here this is like the way of the world all I can do is be compassionate in this role and if we had seen that Like, that's she keeps on talking about how she's like here for humans. She's she's here to like serve and care for humans. If we had really seen that, like, death has tried to stop things, like, give me a montage of death trying to stop people from dying. Right. And give me, give me that growth instead of her just saying it. And then when I see these things where, like, death is as compassionately as possible pulling people away from the horror maybe leave us with the horror maybe have death walk off like let's focus with the lady on the beach like let's have a nightmare for an episode like i'm i'm okay with that because that's more honest than what we ended up with yeah and again a theme of the show is honesty a theme of the show is learning and growing and this gives us such a shallow dip into that And I, like, I don't know. That's, like, like with Midnight Mass. I just want more. I wanted us to have been able to do more. And I understand why we can't. But it doesn't mean I like
1: it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Let me say what I... Do I have a thing that I... I guess I pretty much said what I really liked. Like, at the end of the day, what I really liked were Joanna Constantine and Hob. Like... Yeah. and, And what you could... On Joanna's side, like, just the fun whimsy right. of you know this cool anglican priest and this and this cool you know demon hunter going into going in you know try, expelling a demon from from, from the, uh, the uh, husband to be
0: like a princess yeah, yeah.
1: Like, like that's and fun. they clearly
0: have this existing relationship right like she but, knew who to call yeah
1: yeah and, and the priest is charming and she's lovely you know and and is and is, it, everything's exactly right mm-hmm. um, and, and then Hob what I lo- I love Hob the character but then just loving what Hob does with Sandman and yeah evolving Sandman and, and sandman co- being gone but then coming back you know to see Hob and calling mm-hmm. him his friend like I think that's great that's ultimately what I really like and and but but yeah I think the thing that that devastates me the most like the thing that makes the show, a little bit like Midnight Mass, I don't have the same kind of gut anger towards, mm-hmm. min- towards it that I have for Midnight Mass, is that at the end of the day, because it half-asses its themes, it's it's a banal show. It's, it's, yeah. It's a show that, while entertaining in its way and plays with some cool things, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything. And and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually a little tired. Nobody Nobody I know does this to me. But, like, I'm a little tired of, like, say of like justifying why shows should mean things right you know like like sometimes people are like why can't why can't why does a show have to mean something guys it just does you know it just does Uh, it's why it's why nobody makes the hangover movies anymore because (laughs) because and why nobody fucking talks about the hangover movies anymore right right because because they're nobody cares yeah they're they're It's Bubblegum. Bubblegum is fine.
0: It has a place, yeah.
1: Stuff like that's fine. But, like, this isn't a sitcom. I'm not watching free cable TV. Right. You know, this is a show on a weekly subscription service that we pay for that has a bigger budget than I'll ever make in my entire life. Yeah. You know? For,
0: like, one episode, yeah. For
1: one episode. And so shows should mean things. Mm-hmm. they shouldn't they shouldn't just be there to pass the time if I wanted a show to be there to pass the time I would go on fucking YouTube
0: right or I would like watch House Hunters you know
1: right or or watch shows that I don't have to pay a, necessarily have to pay a subscription service to watch right yeah. like and so Sandman should mean something and yeah. and the problem I think is that at the end of the day it really just doesn't mean anything yeah you know it's it's it doesn't handle it well enough The the stuff that it tries to say doesn't handle it well enough and and like when we do cross into sort of deep territory or or what it's what it attempts to be deep we discover that it's really bougie you know it's
0: real bougie it's like it it
1: is like Midnight Mass right like Mm -hmm. I just re-listened to our review of Midnight Mass and the thing that you that you that you brought up which is dead right is it's not it's about poor people, but it's really about middle class people. Yeah, you know, the all the problems, all the problems that they attempt to explore, are upper middle class psychosis problems. There, there, there's a neurosis to people with money, where they're afraid of getting old and dying. Mm-hmm. And that's really, or, or, and because of that, they're insanely gullible. You know, that's what. Yeah midnight mass is about even though what it should be about is what it's presenting which is
0: right
1: here is a economically depressed you know culturally isolated town of of islanders who are all very poor and they don't know what to do and the only comforts they have are these things, and this is what we're trying to do. But we can't tell that story because nobody knows how to tell that story. Right. Because the only thing they care about is bougie stuff. It's the same thing. yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, and Jamie named that in the conversation that I had with him. Is that yeah. like, the, yeah, like we are not the people to tell that story. That would be a great story to tell. We, uh, we, set the story where we set the story for like these and these and these reasons but we were not prepared to really tell the poverty side of it which is why i think the main character gets rich and has to come back right yeah so that he has he has that bougie perspective when we understand that like we're seeing everything through his lens anyway yeah salmon has the same problem even though neil gaiman has had like poor starving artist days he also was able to connect to like terry pratchett and like Pretty quickly, early in his career, get a publishing deal, and you don't do that without like real connections. That's why the, the mini episode at the end with Arthur Darvill is so funny because uh, the thing he writes on the board is everything has to come from character, and we've been talking about how this does not come from character. And then it's all about how like he has to connect to a rich arth- author in order to like be able to make it big, and like that must be a biography, autobiographical moment for yeah. Neil Gaiman. And that, and when that is your story, we've seen that story told a million times because those are the people who get into it. Let's uh, see another real story from somebody who's actually dealing with something.
1: Right. Yeah. I totally forgot about them raping the muse. I completely forgot about that. Kim, about horrifying. Holy shit, guys! Like, why did we have to do a hard turn into this?
0: Right, but yeah. then we don't but then we don't treat it. It's the same thing with the person with suicidal ideation. We don't actually treat it gently. We don't treat it compassionately. We suggest that this is what has happened and leave you to fill in the blanks. And that's not good storytelling, nor is it nor is it storytelling that is kind to your audience. Like if we're gonna do representation of these horrific things, let's do it right. Otherwise you're another slasher movie with a blonde woman in red panties and we don't
1: need that. You don't need that. And and like, I know we were wrapping up and I'm sorry, we are wrapping up, listeners, don't worry. But like, because I, I guess I just hadn't, I hadn't processed that episode because it's that two-parter, right? Like it's that, yeah, it, comes, the cat, it comes after the cats. The cats. <laughs> right. They're like, ooh, cats, ooh, Dream's <laughs> a cat. See, he's a cat now. And everybody's like, oh, I love cats. And all I can think of in that cat moment is they, everybody knows their audience. We know the kind of people who watch the show
0: and they wear
1: cardigans and have cats. They wear cardigans <laughs> and have cats. and I and about thirty percent of the people watching watching this episode were masturbating furiously during it. We all know it. Oh my God. we all know it. Let's not play make leave. And then suddenly it's a hard turn into let's rape abuse. you. And I'm like, I'm like, holy shit. Like like it, it's jar. Like it, not that it was a jarring, but like I'm still kind of like on the cats. and so like, I'm like,, huh. But but no, what I think I think what was really weird about that, other than everything you said, uncompassionate, it it it, it made rape into a plot device, which is fucking weird. It's the worst thing. It's, it's, it's the
0: worst thing. It's, it's
1: totally strange. It's it's also really um, we. It, it's weird in that like so like in some ways the story is not an uncommon story minus the rape like. That's, a, that's outrageous, it shouldn't be there. It's like, we always, In so this is one of the areas in which it connects to DC. Mm-hmm. Another area connects to DC is is the lady who gets pregnant in her dream mm-hmm. is supposed to be Wonder Woman and Hawkeye's uh, daughter.
0: Oh! So, so that's why
1: she sort of looks like Gal Gadot and her last name is Hall cause, um. because, like, uh, Shaira Hall is like Hawkgirl, and you know, gotcha. but, but anyway. It, it's a it's a common plot device in DC where they use uh, the source of the philosopher's stone. Right. So one of the ways in which in, in the DC universe one of the ways in which you could tell who has the philosopher's stone is is they just look for uh, Wonder Woman looks because it's usually connected to a Wonder Woman story. Wonder Woman looks to find a man who suddenly becomes famous. Right. Uh, and and that's a story. And and so it's and it's meant to sort of mimic that. Um, but like we've already established that these are not like terribly good writers. Right. Uh, but not only are they not terribly good, even the stuff that the muse makes for them isn't amazing. Isn't all that great either. Yeah. And so it's just kind of this weird story. It's it's this odd story that like we're supposed to be horrified by is supposed to make dream look good. Yeah you know but like, he's again. because he's grown because he's grown and he's here to help and he wants to save the muse but like it is it's not as though these people we didn't create like Rick Castle
0: <laughs> man God bless Rick Castle
1: you yeah. know like that's not what happened this guy like even the guy the first guy who had the muse is like yeah you know we I was successful for a while but nobody really reads my books anymore
0: right and it's like is, is that true? Because, like, The Great Gatsby's still in print, my dude, like, yeah,
1: like if this was weird. this
0: good. Yeah. But that's
1: really what I mean. Like, that should have been, if they really wanted to, I don't understand why they didn't do it. Like, what was the point then of the story? Why not, why not have it be, like, an F. Scott Fitzgerald? Like, why not yeah. have him be, like, oh, you know, that author that nobody knows anyone's books except The Great Gatsby? Yeah, he wrote The Great Gatsby when he was raping this muse. Like, I would at least understand that. Yeah. Like, I would at least wrap my brain around that. Instead, it's just a bunch of, you know, it's... Nobody reads these books. They made it money for a little while. Nobody really cares. But there's no reason for that. Yeah. It just, it sort of... It almost cheapens the whole thing. It'd it be is there, is there a purpose behind that? Like, is the idea that... That, like the abuse that they they gave to the views is also this like curse, like, ah, the views when the views is abused, yeah, you might get rich for a little while, but it's not it's you don't create great literature. But then I go, well who cares? Like like what, Yeah, and we're
0: trying to talk about the the importance of uh creating sustainable systems and things like that, which I think is maybe kind of what we're supposed to talk about. Uh, there's many other ways to do this besides using authors. Yeah. I don't Strange.
1: Know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, would Joe? Would you recommend Sandman to people?
0: I, it's a fun little ride. I don't. As long as you are not looking for for the depth that we are longing for in it, it won't drive you nuts. So yeah, go crazy, have fun.
1: I'd recommend Sandman to people who are like really into emo kids and emo boys. <laughs> It, it's, so
0: Angie
1: I'm Well Angie <laughs> Sandman doesn't have enough tattoos That's the problem uh. A- Otherwise Angie would be all about it Sorry Angie <laughs> We um, love you Angie but, but like other than that I don't know if I'd go out of my way to recommend it If I was really honest like, yeah. I, uh, I don't really I'm definitely not going to watch it again I don't think there's There's not enough charismatic people In it mm-hmm. Right like I recommend Falcon the Winter Soldier exclusively for Sebastian Stan. That's very cool. You know fair. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Sebastian Stan is enough
0: mm-hmm.
1: for, for somebody to enjoy Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Not for anything else because it's a giant weird show with, with a, a million plot holes and, and yeah. John Walker's in it and he's a son of a fuck. But like this I don't think I could recommend and I probably wouldn't. I, I, it's not bad. But, like, there's too many, well, you're going to have to get through X. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the scene in the diner almost single-handedly ruins the whole show for me. Because <laughs> it's that almost unwatchable. It goes on forever. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's almost like they told them they had to have a bottle episode. So, yeah,
1: Here we go. Here we go. we got to do it. No.
0: Well, yeah.
1: But yeah. listeners, that's the same, man.
0: Yeah, I hope you enjoy another great review from What the Hell is a
1: Pastor. <laughs> Friends, thanks for listening. This has been, min- I guess, a mini-show of What yeah. the Hell is a Pastor. We are Spanks, Reebok, and The Dude, and we will see you next time.
0: What the Hell is a Pastor is a part of the Disruptive Disciples Podcast Network. Our theme song is written by Joe Schoenwolf, performed by Joe Schoenwolf, Ian Uriola, and Paul Uriola, and produced by Paul Uriola. Email us at wtheckisapastor at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disciples on Twitter at WTHIAP, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash WTHIAP, where you can get access to Pillow Talk, merch, and some other stuff. Thanks for listening. And remember, friends, Ethan gave me all the money in his wallet.
1: Oh, thank God it's still recording. Because
0: otherwise... (laughs)